Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. As Americans, we place a high value on our freedom. In just a few days, we will celebrate July 4th, which is a celebration of our independence, our freedom, in which our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence, in which now we formally declared that we are free from the tyranny of the British. Our country fought a war, the War of Independence, in order for us to win our freedom. We have a constitution and a bill of rights that expressly tells us our freedoms and our rights as United States citizens. Our country, the United States, is looked upon as a leader in the free world, promoting freedom and justice for all. And so we as Americans value very much our freedom. And yet, if you look at the Bible, It seems like the biblical perspective of freedom may or seem to contradict our notion as freedom, as Americans. It seems often in the Bible, you hear, it is not my decision, but it's God's decision. I'm not the person I determined to be, but instead I'm the person that God determines me to be. You know, there's that classic and time-honored joke, if you really want to make God laugh, well, just tell them your plans for the future. Chances are, they're not God's plans for you. More to it, if you look at the first reading, as well as in the gospel for this weekend's readings, it seems that we don't have much freedom in the spiritual life. But that's where we have to look to the second reading first, from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul tells us specifically what biblical freedom is all about. But again, in the first reading, in the gospel, it contradicts that, it seems. In the gospel, Jesus is calling people to follow him. Now, some of them have legitimate excuses. You know, let me go bury my father. But what does Jesus say? No, you go and you preach the gospel now. Look at the first reading. You know, Elijah anoints Elisha to be his successor as a prophet. He doesn't ask him, you know, would you consider being this? Would you like to be this? But instead, he throws his cloak over him and specifically tells him, you're it. You're the next prophet, whether you like it or not. So I think what we have to do is turn to Paul first in the second reading from Galatians. Paul is kind of like the key that unlocks our knowledge to understanding all these readings. St. Anselm once said, A virtuous person is able to do the good rather easily. Well, if we are virtuous people, then we know the good, and then we can choose it rather easily. And yet most of us struggle, don't we? I'll give you a great example of this. Think of how or one way you can improve yourself. You say to yourself, well, I want to be more kind, more charitable. I want to be more forgiving. I don't want to bear grudges. Okay, good. 
Now you have an image of the person you're supposed to be or you'd like to be. And yet you say to yourself, well, I just can't be that person that I want or supposed to be. There's something that enslaves me, prevents me from happening, from being that person. See, Paul tells us exactly why. He says, for freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm. Do not submit, again, to the yoke of slavery. Here Paul is reminding us that Jesus, through his passion, death, and resurrection, has removed all the things that once enslaved us, all the things that once prevented us from being free, especially the greatest enslavement, sin and death. And see, now we are truly free. We are truly free to serve God and to do God's will. Paul continues. He says, For you were called for freedom, brothers and sisters, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, serve one another through love. Well, Paul is telling us very clearly, Christian liberty and Christian freedom is defined as free of all detachments in our life or in this world. And now we are able to freely serve God. More to it, we are free to mature in God's grace. See, that's the biblical perspective of freedom. And see, that's why the biblical perspective of freedom is the same notion as we know it as American citizens. They don't contradict each other. In fact, they complement each other. See, with that in mind, now go into the first reading. It begins to make more sense. Elijah set out and came upon Elisha as he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He was following the 12th. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak over him. Now, it doesn't appear that Elijah knows Elisha, but it's interesting. Elijah doesn't ask Elisha if he wants to be the prophet. He immediately throws his cloak over him. Now, the gesture, the symbolism towards it means that God has anointed Elisha to replace Elijah as the next prophet. And in doing so, now Elisha will be a great example in helping us understand biblical freedom. First, who is this person, Elisha? Well, we really don't know from this reading. What we can say is he must have been a very wealthy person. Why? Well, notice it says he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Back in the ancient world, during the time of Elisha and Elijah, most of the people planted by hand. If you were very wealthy, you could own an animal. If you were even more wealthier, you could own possibly two animals to plow and to farm. Well, Elisha here is plowing with 12 animals. This is an extraordinary large number of animals to be plowing with. More to it, he's plowing, which means he's using the equipment, the latest technology of that period. So, again, we can only assume that he must be a very wealthy man. Now, it says next, Elisha left him and taking the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and using the plow equipment for fuel to boil the flesh, he gave it to his people to eat. And then he followed after Elijah. Well, Elisha now gives away every attachment that he has. And now he's free. He's free to serve the God as a prophet. That's why he follows after Elijah. He's free of all attachments, 
all enslavements, especially his wealth. If there's one thing that could have enslaved Elisha from not being a prophet, it would have been his wealth. And yet, what does he do? He gives it all away. It would be like in our day and age, Bill Gates from Microsoft giving away all of his billions and billions of dollars and then going to join a missionary order or living the monastic life. Where else do you see people in sacred scripture, you know, freeing themselves of attachments so that they can freely serve God? How about James and John, the apostles? Jesus says, come and follow me. And they get out of their boat and they do just that. You see, they leave that boat. That boat represented their livelihood, their business. They leave it behind. More to it, the person in the boat was their father. They leave him behind. Where else do we see people freeing themselves of attachments so that they can freely serve God? The saints. How about St. Francis of Assisi, born into a very wealthy and affluent family? As a young man, he literally stands before his father and strips himself of all of his fine garments. He lays his rings on the ground as well as his necklaces, and then he walks away from it all. His wealth could have enslaved him, but Francis freely detaches himself from all those things. And now he's prepared, he's free to serve God. See, you might be saying to yourself, well, I can't do that. You know, I'm married, I have kids, I've got a mortgage, I've got a career, I've got responsibilities. I can't do anything like this. Well, God is not asking us to take this drastic action in our life. Instead, the saints and people like Elisha and Elijah in Scripture, they compel us to take a long look at our life. In some ways, these figures shake us up so that we have to ask ourselves, how do we use the possessions or attachments that we have in our life to serve God? Or do they enslave us? Do they prevent us from being free to serve God? Remember, go back to that first reading at the very end. Elisha slaughters those animals. You know, in some ways, you could say he barbecues those animals and then gives that to the people so that they can eat them. Well, now Elisha is truly free. Nothing enslaves him at all. And now he goes after Elijah, and he willingly accepts the role as prophet. See, that's biblical freedom. Now, with that in mind, go into the gospel. It begins to make more sense. What's going on right now? Well, Jesus is inviting people into discipleship to follow him. Yet they all make excuses. Now notice with Elisha, he never made any excuse. He was told to be a prophet and he immediately agreed to it. But these people in the gospel, they make excuses. The first person, oh Lord, let me bury my father. Well, it sounds like a reasonable request, right? What does Jesus say? Well, let the dead bury the dead. Well, it appears cold on behalf of Christ, doesn't it? Now realize, Jesus is not against funerals. He's not against families. The reason why he's using that language, to shake us up, to help us take a hard look at our priorities in our life. A good question we have to ask ourselves, is God truly at the center of our life? Is he first in our life? Or are our attachments in our life first or at the center of our life? Again, The definition of biblical freedom is to free ourselves of all attachments so that now 
we are able to serve God without being enslaved by those things in our life. Now, don't get me wrong. Cars, houses, our possessions, portfolios, golf clubs, boats, leisure, travel, whatever it is, they're all good. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. They are all gifts from God. We should enjoy them to the best of our abilities. But the moment they become the center of our life, now we are enslaved to them. Now our identity comes from those attachments. Again, go back to what Paul said. For freedom, Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul here is telling us we have been claimed by Christ. Therefore, what's the implication? Surrender to Christ. Surrender. The attachments in our life, our possessions, they are what they are. We should enjoy them, but they shouldn't be at the center of our life. Instead, at the center of our life should be Christ and Christ alone. See, when that happens, then we truly are free. In a few days, we as a nation will celebrate our independence, our freedom as United States citizens. We will also celebrate our spiritual freedom. As we know and believe, we are enslaved to nothing. And we are truly free to serve God each and every day of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.